0: Unless you were practicing some self-care by avoiding the news over the winter holiday, you've probably already heard of a new SARS-CoV-2 variant that was discovered in the United Kingdom.
1: Shortly after, and somewhat unsurprisingly, we
0: found out that this variant was detected in the United States. With this announcement, a lot of people have questions about what this could mean for the deadliness of COVID-19, as well as the efficiency of COVID-19 vaccines. So in this
1: episode, we'll explain what this variant is and what it can mean for your health. And we also are aware that there's new, th- several new variants floating around. So we'll say a little bit about the South African and the Brazilian variants as well. And just to let you know, in celebration of Black History Month, we will be releasing two extra episodes this month where we highlight the contributions of black scientists. So stay tuned for those.
0: And just as a precursor, we are recording this on January 28th. So our information is up to date as of seven ten on January 28th. But things could <laughs> change tomorrow. So if you listen to this in two months, that's probably why. So let's start with the fundamentals. What is the new SARS-CoV-2 variant?
1: The SARS-CoV-2 variant is essentially the same as the COVID-19-causing virus, but it has a mutation. And it technically also has a new name, so it's called SARS-CoV-2 VOC-2020-1201, i.e. the first variant of concern in December 2020. But the CDC and the scientific community widely um, just refer to it as the B117 variant of SARS-CoV-2 for short.
0: Viruses often mutate because they are constantly making copies of themselves using machinery in host cells. That host cell machinery is not perfect and can sometimes make mistakes. The mutations can then spread completely by chance, or if they give the virus some kind of advantage, they can spread more strongly if the virus per se could be more infectious. We see the effects of mutations every year with the flu virus, as we discussed in a previous podcast. In some years, the flu mutates very rapidly after scientists develop a vaccine, so this is sometimes why vaccines aren't 100% effective.
1: Viral mutations are incredibly common and sometimes can have no consequences at all. Other times, they can have many effects on public health. So one thing is that they can make the virus more infectious, like Emma said, but they can also make the virus cause more severe or more mild symptoms. They can make it more resistant to drugs, they can make it harder to detect by PCR testing, or also they can affect vaccine-induced immunity, which is what a lot of people are concerned about with this variant. So, for many of these consequences, the mutation would have to happen in a very specific region of the viral genome, Um, or the virus might have to accrue multiple mutations. So it's important not to be too freaked out about what these mutations could do before we get a chance to study them in the lab and determine the exact effects. Thankfully, compared to the flu, SARS-CoV-2 has been mutating much slower. However, it has been mutating, and uh, this most recent variant is not the first.
0: According to the CDC, SARS-CoV-2 has acquired about one new mutation in its genome every two weeks. That's about half the rate of the influenza virus for comparison. Not all of these mutations change the protein for the advantage of the virus, however. Silent mutations can occur that cause a change in the genetic code that don't change the protein. This is because the genetic code is read in sets of three called codons, and these codons represent an amino acid, which is a single unit of a protein. We have only 20 amino acids, but 64 possible combinations of the four letters that make up the genetic code. So there are some repeated codons that represent the same amino acid. It's a little bit of a redundancy to help our bodies. So ultimately, some of these mutations have no final effect on the protein, and still other mutations are harmful to the virus, for example, deleting entire key proteins. As you can imagine, these harmful deletions are not very successful and usually disappear quickly because they don't benefit the virus.
1: So earlier in the pandemic, scientists discovered a mutation that changed the 614th amino acid from aspartic acid to glycine. And this especially caught scientists' attention because residue 614 lies within the spike protein. And the newest mutation found originally in the UK is also in the spike protein and changes amino acid 501 from asparagine to tyrosine. And scientists refer to this as N501Y because N is the abbreviation for asparagine and Y is the abbreviation for tyrosine. So in other words, the 505th amino acid N has changed to Y.
0: As a reminder, the spike protein is the part of the coronavirus that's on the outside and helps the virus enter human cells. It's also the protein that scientists use to develop the vaccine, which is why these mutations have sparked concerns about whether the vaccine will still be effective. A
1: single mutation alone is unlikely to cause resistance to vaccine-induced immunity because of how that immunity works.
0: As we've mentioned before, the RNA vaccines work by delivering the instructions to make the spike protein into your cells. Your cells then start producing that protein and presenting it at the cell surface where your T cells recognize the spike protein is not self and begin to develop antibodies against that spike protein. The antibodies that your body produces recognize all different parts of the spike protein. This is called polyclonal because the antibodies can bind to multiple sites on the protein
1: these polyclonal antibodies are in contrast to, say, a monoclonal antibody that binds to only one specific site.
0: Since the vaccine promotes production of polyclonal antibodies that recognize the spike protein at different sites, one mutation is very unlikely to prevent binding of antibodies at several different sites, since it's just a mutation at one place.
1: Current evidence indicates that the N501Y mutation All alone does not decrease the effectiveness of the vaccine, and this was reported early in January by Pfizer.
0: To test this, Pfizer collected blood serum from 20 vaccinated individuals and tested whether antibodies from their blood was effective against the SARS-CoV-2 virus containing the N501Y mutation. To test this, they used a neutralization test. In this test, researchers first mix the blood serum from vaccinated individuals with the mutated or the unmutated virus to allow the antibodies to bind to the virus. Then they pour this mixture over human cells growing on a dish in the lab, and they can measure how many cells get infected. And they found that the blood from vaccinated individuals was just as effective at neutralizing the mutated virus as the unmutated virus.
1: One limitation of this study is that the SARS-CoV-2 virus Pfizer used in the test did not contain all of the same spike mutations that the new variant has because it has that N501Y mutation, but it has several other mutations as well. So since the more mutations that the virus has in the spike protein, the more likely the virus would be to evade vaccine immunity, this is something that should really be addressed in future studies. But for now, we can say that the N501Y mutation alone does not affect vaccine effectiveness.
0: Another limitation of the study was that the sample size of 20 individuals is a little low, and this should be addressed in the future. Probably Pfizer rushed to complete the study ASAP to quell any fears that the vaccine wouldn't work. In fact, when Rachel and I looked at the primary paper for this, it was only available on a site called BioArchive, which is an open-access database for preprint articles that have not been peer-reviewed by experts in the field. Preprints are great for moving the field forward and making scientific findings more accessible, but they need to be read with extra caution since they have not gone through the peer-review process yet.
1: One silver lining here is that the mRNA technology would allow for quick modification to the vaccine if it was needed to incorporate more mutations down the line. But I'm not sure whether or not we would need to repeat safety testing and clinical trials in that case. That's up to the FDA.
0: Another piece of good news is that this variant does not increase the deadliness of the virus. So while there's no evidence that this mutation increases deadliness or reduces vaccine effectiveness, people also worry that it has an increase in infectiousness of the virus.
1: That's right. And this also has to do with the spike protein, of course. So that mutation, N501Y, occurs in part of the spike protein called the receptor binding domain, which is the exact part of the spike protein that makes contact with the human cell in order to enter the cell. And we've talked about receptors before as being kind of gatekeepers or switches on the outside of the cell that survey the environment and keep their eyes peeled for cues on on how to react to what's going on outside of the cell.
0: So if the spike protein changes in a way that makes it interact better with the receptor in human cells, this could increase infectivity.
1: Exactly. And in this case, it's possible that the N501Y mutation enhances physical contact of SARS-CoV-2 with the receptor, increasing the likelihood of the virus entering the cell. Although this is all speculative at this point, and it has to be tested in the lab before we can say for sure that this is the case. But this could be one possible explanation for why it's more transmissible.
0: What evidence is available to say that this variant is more infectious? So population-based
1: data indicate that the variant has spread very quickly in London. And, you know, when you're looking at populations of people, there's lots of factors, and it can be difficult to say that the cause of this infectiousness alone is, is due to that mutation instead of maybe a societal effect, like people visiting friends and family around the holidays. You know, we just had December and everything. However, by looking at cell phone data recorded by Google, one British research group concluded that there was no difference in individuals' movements from before arrival of the variant to after. So they roughly estimated that the new variant was 56% more
0: infective. And before you're like, oh my goodness, privacy of (laughs) phones. A lot of people in London specifically and over the UK have downloaded an app that basically just notifies them if they've been around someone who's had COVID. So they are, I assume they were using the data from this app. Otherwise that would not be great.
1: Well, I mean, double check your privacy settings because yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like a lot of apps ask to use my GPS location. Um, And I always say no because I'm freaked out about stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Beyond the population data, studies in the lab looking at how much virus is present in the nose have revealed that individuals infected with the new variant have more virus in their nose. And more virus in the nose means that the infected individual will likely shed more virus into the air when they talk, sneeze, or cough, and thus they could be more infectious.
1: And can these mutations increase the chance of reinfection?
0: As of now, we just don't have enough information to answer this question since this virus is so new. Reinfection is a possibility, but we don't know how long immunity will last or how the virus may mutate in the future. A lot of these questions are still being answered just about the OG coronavirus. Mm -hmm. N501Y was first identified in the UK and dubbed B117, but a separate strain with the N501Y mutation emerged independently. It was identified in South Africa and called B1351. There've also been reports of the B117 strain in the US. So where is B117 now and what is the US doing to track this?
1: So as of January 25th, I haven't checked today, but they update the site every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. So they did update it yesterday, but as of as of Monday this week, um the N501Y mutation that's been detected in the UK, that means the, the B117 variant, was present in several regions of the United States, including North Carolina, Colorado, California, Georgia, Florida, New York, New Jersey, and too many others to list. It's, it's really several states. It's probably in every state, um, but um, only some it's been det- detected in so far by sequencing. So, we have a link to the CDC website if we haven't listed your state and you're curious to check uh, those conditions and whether the variant's been detected. And public health experts in the US are urging individuals to consider the possibility that this variant could already be in most states.
0: Tracking viral variants is a lot more complicated than simply taking a COVID test, which tests for the presence of the virus. When scientists want to track these viral variants, they have to sequence the whole viral genome and analyze it to check for mutations. This is more labor-intensive and expensive than the PCR test that's used for detecting the virus, so we don't perform sequencing on every sample, and potentially some of these variants could be lost in our U.S. population.
1: And as of early January, the U.S. had only sequenced 51,000 samples and ranked 43rd in the world for characterizing new variants. According to the CDC, as of January 2021, the U.S. is going to start sequencing 10 samples from every state biweekly so that they can monitor uh, some if any of these variants are present in hopes of increasing the number and representation of samples being analyzed.
0: As an update to this story, another paper was just published in Bioarchive on January 25th, finding that the moderna vaccine is still effective against the B117 UK strain, but it's not as effective against the South African strain, B1351. In eight vaccinated individuals tested the antibodies from their blood was six times less effective against B1351. but this is still more protection than not being immunized. We do really want to stress that even if the antibodies can't recognize these new variants quite as well, they are not powerless. Exactly.
1: And any way that we can limit the spread of the virus will be helpful to prevent more variants like this arising. Because part of the reason why the virus is mutating so quickly and we're seeing all these variants come out is because... Just more people are getting infected. The more people that get infected, the more times the virus has to replicate its genome, and then it has one more opportunity for a mutation to arise. So, Moderna is currently working on a booster shot, which will be targeted to the B1351 variant. That's the South African variant. And this booster could be given sometime after. I don't know if it's the first shot or the the second shot in case. Probably it could be given after the second shot of the vaccine in case um, people need this booster to protect from the new variant. And the research development process could take as little as six weeks, but we don't know how long FDA approval could take after that.
0: As of again, January 28th, there was an article published seven hours ago uh, that South Carolina actually detected the first U.S. COVID cases of the more problematic variant from South Africa, the B one three five one. And what's notable about this is they detected this variant in two people that had not traveled and were not known to be in contact with each other or related to each other in any way.
1: It must have, at some point, come in through travel, and that I mean that would suggest if it's if it if individuals contracted that variant without traveling themselves that would suggest to me that it's it's by community spread and the variant is actually more prevalent than we think it is right
0: yeah that's yeah that's that makes a lot of sense because yeah it's saying that it could other people had had it it had now transferred to these people and these people hadn't traveled so that makes sense On top of these variants, there was also another variant discovered in Brazil called P1, which has now been detected in Minnesota. This variant is so new that we don't have data to tell you about it, except that by looking at the sequence of the viral genome, the Brazilian variant looks more similar to the South African variant than the UK one.
1: Scientists are especially concerned that P1 could increase the likelihood of reinfection based on evidence coming from Brazil that community members living in Manaus, Brazil, which was an area that was previously hit so badly that they actually achieved herd immunity because over 76% of the population became infected um, by by COVID. So so now that same community is experiencing a surge in COVID-19 cases, suggesting that maybe reinfection could be possible and maybe it's linked to this variant. However, these are still early days and we need to do more research to understand the effect of the, of the P1 variants mutations on aspects of the virus, such as transmission, lethality, and reinfection.
0: So what can we do to protect ourselves from these new variants? Essentially,
1: I know everyone's tired. It's been a year of this, but <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing and and hopefully you have been doing by avoiding large crowds, washing your hands regularly, social distancing, wearing your masks correctly. These are our only tools until everyone can get access to the vaccine.
0: The COVID vaccine is still important to get because yes, we're talking about these new variants, but as M- Rachel mentioned earlier, The more we can do to stop the spread now, the less variants we'll have in the future. So, yes, we take the vaccine now. Maybe we would have to take a booster in six months or a year. It's still better than allowing COVID to just run unfettered within our population.
1: Yeah, and that's an important point. I mean, like, Moderna's designing this booster so that it can go on top of the vaccine they're already giving you. So, it's not like you would be excluded from from getting a booster. So, getting anything right now would be helpful.